this scripture here that we're looking at today um, has so much in it. And I think it's really the key, some of the ideas that we see here are key to understanding who John is and what he's trying to communicate. So let's, let's take a look at the scripture. We are in John chapter 8, and let's start with verse 12. Jesus spoke to them again. I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness but have the light of life so the pharisees said to him you're testifying about yourself your testimony is not valid even if i testify about myself jesus replied my testimony is true because i know where i am coming from and where i'm going but you don't know where i come from or where i'm going you judge by human standards I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it is, it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law it's written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I'm the one who testifies about himself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, Where is your Father? You know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you'd also know my father. And he spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said to them, I'm going away. You'll look for me, but you'll die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said again, He won't kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. You are from below, he told them. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Who are you? They questioned. Exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning, Jesus told them. I said many things to, I've had many things to say and to judge about you, but that the one who sent me is true and what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world. They did not know he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, you will know that I am. He and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me because I always do what pleases him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us during this time. Lord, I just pray that you would be with every person here, that you'd open the the hearts and the minds, the hearts of our understanding, and help us, Lord, to understand what's here so that we might draw closer to you 
so that we might glorify your holy name in all that we say and in all that we do. Lord, guide us. These things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take a look at verse 12. Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk into darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, so we need to understand what the setting is here, okay? The setting is the Feast of Booths, also known as Sukkot. And this happens late September, early October, and it starts on a Sunday, lasts the whole week, and it finishes on a Sunday. And one of the things that happens, and, and, and this is probably thir- this is 32 A.D., and it's in Jerusalem. They're at the temple. And one of the things that happens in Sukkot is they're in the court of the women. It's at night. They're at the court of the women, and there's four giant menorahs. They're 75 feet tall, and they light these things up, and they're supposed to be so much light that it fills the city. And it is in this context that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So when he's saying this, this has some immediate illustrations for them. This It puts an immediate picture in their mind. Now, one of the things that we need to understand here is with John, in his gospel, he makes it clear just who Jesus Christ is. And he does it no less than seven times in, in his gospel. So let's take a look at some of the seven times that he does this, okay? The first is in John chapter 6, verse 35. And in 6.35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life, Jesus told him. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. So he lets them know that he is God by saying, I am the bread of life, okay? So in chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. The third one we find in John chapter 10. Let's go to verse 7. Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and come out and go in and find pasture. So, once again, he lets them know that he's God, okay? Let's go now to the fourth one, chapter 10. This time, let's take a look at verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he's not the shepherd, 
and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. He is the shepherd. He is God. Okay? Here's the next one. Let's go to chapter uh, 11. Let's go to verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Once again, he's making it loud and clear who Jesus is. Let's now go to John chapter 14. Let's go to verse 6. Jesus said, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you will know him and have seen him. So the last one, let's go to John chapter 15. And let's go to verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you, just as the branch is is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me." I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. These are the seven I am's that you find in the Gospel of John. Well, when you think of this phrase, I am, what else do you think of? Well, you should be thinking about Moses. Okay? So let's turn now to Exodus, and let's go to chapter 3. Let's go to verse 1. Meanwhile... Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He held the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't this bush burning up? When the Lord saw, Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he continued, 
I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. See, one of the interesting things is Yahweh comes from the verb Hayah. Hayah means I was. It can also mean I will be. It also means I am. And God reveals to him that he is, was, and will always be. We can put our trust in him because he does not change. Let's take a look now at Exodus chapter 13 because that will help us to understand the context a little better in um, John chapter 8. So let's go to Exodus chapter 13 and let's go to verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearby. For God said the people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. So he led the people around toward the Red Sea along the road of the wilderness, and the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear a solemn oath, saying, God will certainly come to your aid, and you must take my bones with you from this place. And they set out from Sukkot. Now you'll recall, what was the event going on in John chapter 8? Sukkot! They set out from Sukkot and camped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day and a pillar of fire to give them light at night so that they could travel day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. God appeared to them at night in a pillar of fire. During the day, he was a cloud. He was always with them. Let's take a look at chapter 14. Exodus 14. Let's take a look at verse 15 here. The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying to me? Because what's happening is, you know, the Egyptians are getting ready to attack. The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea and on dry ground. As for me, I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army and his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved 
from in front of them and stood behind them. And it, be, it came between the Egyptian and Israelite forces. There was cloud and there was darkness, and it lit up the night, and neither group came near the other all night long. Once again, it turns night, and they are saved by his light. So, let's go back to John chapter 8 here. One of the things that John emphasizes throughout his gospel, and in all of his writings, is the importance of God as light. So, one of the things we, we see here, once again, Jesus says in verse 12, I... And the light of the world. Now, what does he mean by this word world? Well, in the Greek, the word world is the word cosmos. It means the system. It means the order. But it's not a good system. It's not a good order. Well, when you look at John, and also to some extent in Paul, you know, basically you find three uses of this word, okay? Now, sometimes it refers to the physical reality. It refers to the universe. But more often than not, it refers to one of two things. It refers to the sphere or the place of human life or humanity itself. Here's another idea. It's the place and object of God's saving activity. Now, as we go through the rest of this Gospel of John, I want you to pay attention to how he uses this term, okay? Because one of the things that John does is he contrasts God with the world, okay? Because this world system, this world order is alienated from God ever since the fall. It's in conflict with him. It has a completely different view of reality, a completely different set of rights and wrongs. It's in conflict with God. It's twisted. It's corrupt. It's evil. And what Jesus says is that I am the light of this world because this world system is dark. You know, how is it, folks, that an eagle's egg is more protected than the than a child in a mother's womb. How is it that you've got people who are trying to say that homosexuality is right, pedophilia is right, you name it? That all kinds of sin and corruption are okay. 
It's because they are alienated from God. They've got a twisted view of reality. So what I want to do right now is just look at some examples of what we see in this gospel about how John uses this word world, this word cosmos. So let's go to first John let's go to John chapter one. Now let's take a look at verse nine. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. Now, this one, this verse 10 is kind of interesting because in, in one place he uses the world uh, in, in, in its physical term because he says the world was created by him. And then the next time he uses it, he's talking about this human domain, this human set of values and worldview. This world doesn't recognize him. Let's go to chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This world order, this system is sinful. Let's go to chapter 3. Let's look at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned but anyone who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. This is the light that has come into the world. And the people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. See, if you are in this world, you are wandering about in darkness. You are wandering about in sin. Let's go to chapter 4. Let's go to verse 39. Now, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. 
So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And what? And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what he, you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this is really the Savior of the world, the realm of humanity. See, this world is corrupt, and it needs saving. Let's take a look at chapter 6. Let's take a look at verse 14. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, truly, this is the prophet who has come into the world. See, this world needs a prophet to give it life. This world, once again, is sin, confusion, darkness. Let's take a look now at verse 33, chapter 6. Let's start with verse 32. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. This world leads to death. It needs life. Let's go to verse 51. Chapter 6, verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. He's not talking about the physical world here, folks. He's talking about humanity. In all its sin, in all its confusion, in all of its disorder, in all of its chaos, in all of its darkness, that's what he died for. Let's go to chapter 7. Let's go to verse 4. For no one does anything in secret while he is seeking public recognition. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Now, it says Jesus' brother saying this to him. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus told them, my time has not yet arrived. But your time is always at hand. The world cannot hate you, but it does hate me because I testify about it that its works are evil. Okay? We see two important things here. Number one, the world hates him. Why? Because the works of this world are what? Evil. Let's go to chapter 15. I don't want to, you know, 
look at everything here in John because, you know, you know other guys have got to cover this, this section. But, but this one is, I don't think we can afford to pass this one up, folks. So let's go to chapter 15 and verse 18. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Look, if you are going to walk in light of God's word, if you're going to walk in light of his truth, if you're going to teach others the truth, guess what? The world is going to hate you. And we can see it more and more now. Let me tell you, the Democratic Party's been pretty loud and clear. They figured out the biggest source of opposition for what they want to accomplish is what? The church. And so they're using everything. Let me tell you, they have made hay with COVID here. To try to suppress the church. And the sad truth of the matter is, they have estimated that 20% of churches have closed their doors for the final time as a result of the restrictions that have come under COVID. 20%. So if you belong to him, and if you're living for him, expect that the world is going to hate you. So let's go now to 1 John chapter 2. Let's look at verse 15 here. And he says, John says here, do not love the world. Is he talking about the physical world here? No. He's talking about this world system. He's talking about this fallen worldview. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away but the one who does the will of God abides forever. So folks, there's a clear choice here. You're either going to go with the world or you're going to go with God. And if you go with the world, oh, they'll love you. They'll love you straight to hell. But if you go with God, 
this world's going to hate you. It's just that simple. So let's go back to John chapter 8. Now, you know, I, I'm almost a little embarrassed by the fact that we haven't gotten out of verse 12 yet, but it is what it is, right? Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. He came so that you could have life and live it more abundantly. He is life. He he makes your life complete. He makes your life full. You don't have him. The best your life can be is only so good. And temporal, by the way. You have him, you have eternal life. You don't have him, well, your life only gets so good here. And then it gets real bad afterwards. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Now, here's one of the things you have to remember about the Pharisees. These guys want him dead. Let's take a look. Um, let's take a look at um, John chapter 5. Let's take a look at verse 17. Jesus responded to them, My father is still working, and I am working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. They wanted him dead. Okay, let's go to chapter 7. Let's look, take a look at verse 25. Some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Now, maybe these guys thought that they were slick. Maybe they thought that people didn't understand what was going on. But everybody knew that these religious leaders wanted Jesus gone. So they weren't particularly interested in anything that he had to say, unless it was to trap him.
So verse 13, the Pharisees said to him, you're testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I came from or where I'm going. See, if you belong to him, if you're one of his sheep, you know the shepherd's voice, don't you? But if you don't belong to him, if you are hardened in your sin, if you are hardened in your own self-righteousness, you'll never figure him out. You'll never figure out who he is. You'll never figure out. You you might figure out how to fool people. But you're not going to fool God. Verse 15. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. In other words, you judge in light of this world system. Which means you judge wrongly. But Jesus goes on to say, I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true. Because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your lots written that that the testimony of two witnesses is true. And you can, you know, find this in in Numbers chapter 35, verse 30. I, I don't have the time to go there. I'm the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, Where's your father? Now, folks, if these men were in touch with God, they would know the answer to this question. And he's been telling them all along who his father was. It was no secret. But, you know, when you become hardened in your sin, you just get stupid, don't you? Then he asked him, where's your father? You know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you'd also know my father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said to him, I'm going away. You'll look for me and you will die in your sin. Now look, he's with them preaching for three years. And these guys, their only response is they want to see him dead. Now you know, you have a lot of people today. You name the name of Christ... You know, 
They may not necessarily think of wanting him dead, but they'll want you dead. They'll want you silenced. They will want you out of the way. It says, you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Where's he going? He's going to go back to the Father. He's going to go back to heaven. And if you belong with him, he's going to take you with him. So the Jews said again, he won't kill himself, will he, since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. These guys, these guys were supposed to be the intelligentsia. These guys are supposed to be the educated guys. These guys are supposed to be the smart guys. Once again, sin makes you stupid. And weak, by the way. And here's what Jesus says. You are from below, he told him. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. When he's saying, you are from below, you are in this world, he's saying, you are lost. You are walking in darkness. You are walking in confusion. You are walking in sin. But, I'm from above. I'm not of this world. In fact, he is the light of this world. Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he... You will die in your sins. Once again, you either choose Jesus and with him eternal life, or you reject him and you have eternal death waiting for you. You know, the interesting thing is, if you do not have Jesus Christ... This life is as close as you're ever going to get to heaven. Because the next life, it's not going to be good. But if you have Christ, this life is as close as you ever get to hell. The choice is clear. And he's making it to them again and again and again. But they don't get it. Verse 25. Who 
are you? They, they questioned. Exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning, Jesus told them. Remember in chapter 5, verse 25, why did they want to kill him? Because he said he was the son of God and that he was equal to the father. And he's made it clear again and again and again. He's from heaven. And they refuse to get it. Verse 26. I have many things to say to you. I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true. And what I've heard from him, these things I tell the world. See, the world needs to hear his word. They did not know he was speaking to them about the Father. Clueless. Educated, but clueless. So Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. Okay? They're going to crucify Him. And many of them are not going to figure out who he was till after he's gone. Some will, but most won't. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases Him. Now, folks, if you belong to Jesus Christ, that should describe you as well. Are you trying to please the Father? Because if you're not, you're doing this Christian thing wrong. In fact, you're not doing it at all. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Now, folks... It wasn't the people who were in power. It wasn't the people who were educated. It wasn't the people who were the experts who came to him for the most part. It was just the average Joe. They heard him speak the truth, and they knew who he was. And they followed And they began to walk in the light. And here's the thing that that just bothers me to no end, okay? You have these guys. You've got the, the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes, they made their living 
by making copies of the law, by making copies of every jot, every tittle of the law. And over time, as a result of doing it, they wound up memorizing the whole Old Testament. The Pharisees, well, the Pharisees, well, not only did they memorize the whole Old Testament, but they memorized every commentary that was written about it. Not only that, these guys, they didn't give a tithe. They gave 20%. Not only that, these guys fasted twice a week. These guys, from all outward appearances, were so holy. These guys were the experts of the law. These guys had the PhDs of the law. And yet, for all their supposed knowledge and intelligence and everything else, these guys were clueless. And here's the sad truth of the matter. You know, I taught for 12 years at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and taught for three years at Criswell College. And during that time, I saw all these guys teaching who had their PhDs. And they were all viewed as being pretty smart guys. But for all their supposed education, some of these guys, I wouldn't trust to teach a Bible study, much less pastor a church. These guys spent years getting these advanced degrees. And some of these guys, you know, they put on a veneer of holiness. But when push really came to shove, there's not much substance there. And you look at the leaders of evangelicalism today. You got guys saying, hey, it's okay to support those who support abortion. How are you going to vote for somebody who supports abortion and you not be morally culpable in it yourself? Folks, it's not about knowledge. It's all about your relationship to our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how are you supposed to walk in the light if you don't have a Christian worldview? And here's what I mean by a Christian worldview. You think about ethics, economics, which includes both the, the family and, and business. You think about politics you think about history, you think about science in light of sound Christian doctrine. 
See, the person who has a Christian worldview, what happens is he reads God's word and he's both confronted and convicted by the truth. And if you respond to it the right way, you'll begin to think about those things in the right way. And if you continue with this, eventually you will feel about things in the right way. And here's what I mean. You will love what the Lord loves, and you will hate what the Lord hates. And all of this is going to motivate you to do not only the right thing, but to do it the right way. See, a person who has a Christian worldview, well, they know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And they will strive to get every aspect of their hearts and mind in line with God's word. But for the person who doesn't have a Christian worldview, well, they're not exactly in line with the truth. So even if they say that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, they live like he's not Lord at all. Now my hope, folks, for every one of you is that you truly come to know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And that you will seek to glorify him in every aspect of your life by thinking, feeling, and acting in accordance with the word of God. That's what it means to walk in his light. So the question is this. Are you walking in his light today. If you are not, today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, we just ask that, that you would be with each one of us. Help us, Lord, to follow after you. Help us, Lord, to love what you love. Help us, Lord, to hate what you hate. Help us, Lord, to grow in wisdom and in knowledge and in understanding so that we might glorify your holy name in every way. These things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.